Can you believe that 2019 is already over? <laughs> I'm telling you, this was a fast year. Um, we are just a matter of days away from another new year. It's just hard to believe. It seems with each passing year that um, time just speeds up. Uh, that each year it seems to go faster than the uh, previous year. Uh, <clears throat> what is 2020 going to look like? You thought about it? Uh, what will 2020 look like for you and um, uh, for your family? Uh, you know, we really can't know at this point. We can assume, we can uh, hope, we can think about what we would like for it to be like, but we can uh, <clears throat> we cannot know for sure. Now, we can do one of two things this year. Uh, we can waste it away by moping about the things that we failed to accomplish um, or the mistakes we made uh, during this past year, or we can decide to make the most of this new year that God has given to us, hoping it will be, it will be one of our best years yet. Um, uh, let's, let's face it, this year um, was a tough year in many ways. Uh, both for some of you personally, uh, but also for <clears throat> us as a church. It was a tough year um, for, um, in many ways, for us as a nation. Uh, it was a year of challenges. It's a, it was a year of choices. It was a year of changes. And in some cases, it was a year of crises. The fact is that some of you, for 2019, was more of a disappointment than it was a joy. It was more a year that you want to quickly forget than one that you are wanting to uh, remember. Some of you may have experienced a loss during this past year. Maybe it was a loss of a family member um, or a dear friend. Some of you may have experienced a loss of a job or the loss of your marriage. For others, it may have been a year of setbacks, may have been a year of failures. The bad news is we can't change this past year. There's nothing we can do about it. It's done. It's gone. It's water under the bridge. The good news is that we can learn from it. And in this new year, in 2020, we have the opportunity to start over. To make some changes, to set new goals, and to make new plans. You see, God brings life to us in small pieces. Hours, days, weeks, months. At the beginning of every year, he says, let's wipe the slate clean and let's start all over. Let's start with a brand new year. That's good news. Here's the question, though, for each of us. Have you made plans for this coming year? Do you have any goals? Do you have plans that you have thought about that you would like to accomplish in this new year? If so, here's the big question. Have you included God in those plans? Did you even consult him? 
Did you even read his word to see what his word says about some of your goals and some of your plans? Have you prayed about it and have you sought God's wisdom and his discernment? Do you know or do you even want to know what God's will is? You see, if we plan wisely, we can enter this new year with confidence. We can enter 2020. Isn't that hard to believe? It seems like we just turned 2000. And here it is 20 years later. It is 2020. But if we enter the year with confidence that this year will be the greatest year yet, then we must If we're going to do that, and if we're going to have any assurance that it is going to be one of our best years, then it is important. In fact, let me just say it is imperative that we include God. The Bible says a lot about planning. No man goes out and builds a house without first considering how much it's going to cost, the Bible says. The book of Proverbs says over and over, if I don't plan, I'm a fool. It's wise to plan. It's great to have a dream, to have goals, as long as you include God. Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, you can see it up there on the screen. He says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. In Proverbs 17, verse 24, he says, the discerning sets his face toward wisdom But the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. In other words, the wise person seeks to make smart decisions, but a foolish person goes off in many directions. Now notice the last part of the verse. The eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. Does that describe you? You start your year off going in all different directions at one time with no plan of action. But notice at the beginning of the verse, Solomon says, the discerning sets his face towards wisdom. That means you have a target and you have a plan on how to reach it. Friend, God's word teaches us that there are only two ways to make our plans the important decisions that will affect our future. One, we can make our plans with God's input, or two, we can make our plans without his input. Well, here in James chapter 4, James is talking about making plans and facing the future. And he warns about making plans that leave God out of the equation. So, I want us to look here in the first place. There are three, three ways that um, we can include God when making our plans for the future. The first way is to follow God's sovereign leading. Now look what James says there again in verse 13. He said, come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. The first century was a period of great commercial activity. Um, This is a word, this word James is uh, writing here is addressed 
to the wealthy merchants who traveled all over the Roman Empire, buying and selling in the major trade centers of that day. These businessmen would take a map, as it were, and uh, plan when they would go, where they would be going, and how long they would stay, and how much money they intended to make. The time and the places were all set. Um, everything was secure, so they believed. They do not think at all, though, about how God might regard their plans, where God fit into their plans. Their attitude was, I, I not God, am in control of my life. You ought to circle that word will there in the verse. James James's hypothetical man here um, is simply saying, this is my plan, and I'm going to make sure it happens. I've already figured out the time. Look, the time is today or tomorrow. I know the location, such and such a town. I know the activity, the trade, and the result. I'm going to make a profit. Now, do you see the arrogance in his assumption here? He's already assuming that he's going to go to this certain place at, on this occasion. He's going to do this particular thing, and the result is he's going to make a profit. Do you see any room for God here in what he's saying in his planning? There's not a single mention of God in this entire business plan. It's all about me. It's all about my plans. Friend, listen, recognition of God's sovereignty, of God's divine leading needs to be the starting point for all of our planning. We've sung that song earlier this morning, wherever he leads, I'll go. But the question is, do we really pray and ask God where he wants to lead us? When we follow God's lead, God is in control, not me. Why do we not acknowledge God as we lay out our plans? You want to know the reason? Self-sufficiency. We believe that we can handle it ourselves. Most people feel little need for God. They believe that they control their future, that their goals and their dreams lie in their own ability, in their effort, in their strength, in their wisdom, in their knowledge, in their training. But the truth is, you can be a believer and you can forget God. You can leave God out of your plans. Tony Evans says, too many Christians have handed God their declaration of independence. Like the devil, they are telling God, I will, I will, I will. These are my plans, God, and I'm going to make them happen. Evans says, that's planning for disaster. We need to do our planning in independence upon God's sovereign direction. So how do we plan while leaving God out? First, when we arrogantly set a definite time for things like retirement and plan as our it plan that as our time and to enjoy the fruits of our labors um, some of you have reached that stage in your life where you're thinking about that but the big question is what is God's plan for your life 
Is it to just quit work and then just to enjoy yourself? Or does God have something else in mind? Does he have some kind of ministry that he wants you to be involved in? Some kind of uh, volunteer ministry that you could get plugged in to? When we imagine ourselves in control of major issues or major areas of our life, like marriage and family and our career, and then expect God to bless us, um, uh, you know, how can we expect God to bless us when we assume control of those areas? Or when we make practical decisions about job changes, such as moving or investing or spending, and we do so all without praying and seeking God's mind. Planning without God, listen, planning without God is practical atheism. It shows a lack of respect for God's sovereignty in the world and in our lives. It's also presumptuous. And can I just say, it's also sinful. Anything can happen. Disruption of our plans is no further away than a car accident than a doctor's visit. The future for every one of us is at most a small boat on the stormy, uncertain sea of life. On the other hand, look what he says there in Proverbs 16, 3. Commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. So commit everything to the Lord, Solomon says, and your plans will succeed. That's number one. Another important aspect of planning that pleases God is don't take tomorrow for granted. Now look what James says in verse 14 of our text. He says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. This verse is reminiscent of Proverbs chapter 17, verse 1, where Solomon says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. It was King David who sang in Psalm 102, verse 11, My days are like an evening shadow. The Bible uses other metaphors to drive home the truth of life's brevity. In Job chapter 7, verse 7, we read, Job says, my life is but a breath. In chapter 9, verse 25, he says, my days are swifter than a runner. Psalm 102, verse 5 states, my days vanish like smoke. Friend, listen, only God knows the end from the beginning. Only God knows how many days you and I have been assigned on this earth we don't even know what tomorrow holds. We don't know that we're even going to get up tomorrow. So why are we so confident about, about what we are going to do or not do when we're not even guaranteed tomorrow? Words like that betray our worldly thinking and a lack of humility because we're not God, and we only have finite minds, we can't see what's coming next. 
Aren't you glad you can't see what's coming next? Can you imagine the stress, the frustration that you would deal with on a day-to-day basis if you had to think about all of the negative things that lie before you? Friend, the hospital emergency room is full of people who had plans for tomorrow. So is the cemetery. If you were watching the Peach Bowl yesterday, you heard the tragic news of a young 30-year-old sports reporter named Carly McCord, who was the daughter-in-law of the offensive coordinator for the LSU Tigers, who was on her way from Baton Rouge, actually Lafayette, Louisiana, to Atlanta to attend the Peach Bowl when her plane, the plane that she was on, a private plane she was on with five other people, crashed into a post office in Lafayette, Louisiana, and um, uh, uh, burned, and only one person survived that wreckage. Carly McCord was an aspiring sports writer and sportscaster with a bright future ahead of us. I don't think she woke up on Saturday morning thinking that she would hop on a plane and never make it to Atlanta, Georgia, and that that flight would be the last thing, the last day of her life on this earth. Friend, you and I can assume all we want about tomorrow, but there is no guarantee that we will make it past the next five minutes, the next hour, the next afternoon, the next night. James wants us to understand that we are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Friend, life is here today and it's gone tomorrow. Now, those of us who have lived long enough know that life is passing by and it is passing quickly. The end is nearer than we might think or even like. I, I, I want to admit, I still see myself as a young husband and father with two small kids running around my house. But guess what? The reality is they've grown up and I've grown old. So my word of encouragement is make the most of today. Include God in all of your plans. Several years ago for Christmas, I gave Trent, our son, a book for uh, a book titled The Precious Present. Some of you have probably read that book. The author, Spencer Johnson, said the precious present is literally the perfect present because the present time is all we have. Not next hour, not next week, not next year, but right now. That's the gift that God has given to each of us. So we ought to use it well. All we've got is the present. Foolishly forgetting our frailty. Many of us live from year to year when we ought to be living from day to day. 
We remember our years at each birthday when God says we ought to be numbering our days. In Psalm 90, verse 12, the point is the length of life is uncertain. No matter how long we live, life is short. How many times have you heard that? Life really is short, and the older you get, the faster time moves. You see, when you're a child, time creeps along. Why is it taking so long for me to become a teenager? Then when you finally become a teenager, time starts to walk a little bit. You can see the day ahead when you will leave the house and go to college or go off to work. Then when you become adult, an adult, Time starts to run. Life is going faster. And then when you become an older person, time just flies and you wonder where it went. And you can see the day when your time on earth will run out. Friend, the most important question we must ask is what's next? What comes after this life? What awaits me after death? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. The good news is, as believers, we have a hope that enables us to sing, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. So don't make the mistake of proudly presuming your plans and foolishly forgetting your frailty. Instead, include God in your planning and make the most of today. Then you can rest in knowing your eternity is safe. Live life one day at a time. Now, let me just be quick to say that doesn't mean that it's foolish to plan ahead. I'm not saying you shouldn't plan ahead beyond the next day. That would be foolish. But don't assume that in planning ahead a year from now or five years from now or 10 years from now that you're actually going to live that long. You may not. Um, so make your plans, but don't assume that with your plans, that everything's just going to go right on schedule the way you've got it all worked out. The third important aspect of planning that pleases God is desire God's will above our own. Desire God's will above our own. Now, look what James says. If you keep reading here in verses 15 through 17, he says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. You see, godless planning is not just bad planning, it's sinful. We insult God when we exclude him from our lives. In arrogance, people make foolish presumptions about what they are going to do or where they are going to go. For instance, you remember Jonah in the Old Testament? Jonah made some foolish presumptions. God had called him to go to a place called Nineveh and to be an agent of great spiritual revival. But Jonah thought he knew better than God. He had different plans. The Bible says Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. You see, God's will for Jonah 
was Nineveh. But Jonah wanted to go in the opposite direction toward Tarshish. Jonah thought he knew best, but his foolish presumption caused him to end up in the belly of a fish. Friend, disobedience to God always ends in failure. Can I just say that? Disobedience to God always ends in failure. Regardless of our intentions, regardless of our, uh, you know, uh, desires or anything else, when we disobey God, it will always end in failure. So let me ask you this question. Is God calling you to do something and you've yet obeyed him? For instance, is he asking you to give up something? Maybe a bad habit. Maybe a relationship. Maybe an attitude. Or maybe a job. Perhaps he's calling you to do something. To teach a class. To take care of children. To help at the homeless shelter. To serve as a deacon. To work with children or youth. Is God calling you to go somewhere or to do something? And are you resisting? Here's the bottom line. Does God have priority in your planning? Does God have priority in your planning? Let me get specific. Have you talked to God about what your plans are for this next year? Have you talked to God about your plans to retire? To change jobs? To get married? To have children? Have you talked to God about what your career options are? What your major is at school for some of you young people? Have you talked that over with God? What is God's plan for my life? What does God want me to do? Have you talked to God about your business? When's the last time you asked God about where to invest your money? How you spend your money. Friend, the secret of a successful life is to desire God's will and then submit our will to his will. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, many of you know it by heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths or he will make your paths straight. Dr. George W. Truitt, former pastor of the First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, said about the will of God, life's greatest discovery is knowing the will of God, but life's greatest accomplishment is doing the will of God. You see, you can know the will of God and not do the will of God. So do you know the will of God and are you seeking to fulfill 
his will for your life. The Christian who knows and obeys and loves the will of God will enjoy God's blessing. His or her life may not be easier, but it will be a lot happier and a lot more um, fruitful. And it will be the joy and the delight of their heart. You see, the spiritual logic here is clear. He says in Psalm 40, verse 8, what is your life? You are a mist that appears. And then here in James, he says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. But listen, this life is temporary and it goes quickly. But eternity goes on forever and ever and ever. So what is God's plan for your life, both now for you this temporary life? It's one thing to mess it up when your life is temporary and to miss out on God's will. But friend, when you miss out on God's will as it pertains to your eternal life, that never stops. That never ends. That goes on and on and on. Do you know God's will for your eternal future? The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you know God's son, Jesus Christ, the one whose birth we just celebrated? Do you know him personally? Do you know why Jesus left the glories of heaven and came to this earth to be born of a virgin in a manger in Bethlehem? Do you know why we celebrate that story at Christmas time? Do you know why Jesus from the baby to a grown man of 33, which was the age he was when he died. Do you know why? From the time he was a baby till he became a young man, he always did exactly what he was supposed to do. He lived a perfect and holy life. Do you know why Jesus was able uh, to go to the cross and die in our place, to die for your sins and my sins? Do you know that when Jesus died on the cross and he was about to breathe his last and he said father forgive them for they do not know what they do and then he said into your hands I commend my spirit do you know why he did that because he was dying for you and for me and in that moment Jesus had fulfilled the mission for which God had sent him here to this earth he took your sins and my sins upon himself. And in exchange, through our faith and trust in him, he gives us his perfect righteousness. So that when God looks at you and me, he does not see any longer the sin in our life, but he sees the perfect righteousness of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And on that basis and that basis alone, God welcomes you into his family and promises you that you will be able to live with him forever and ever and ever. That's his eternal will for your life.
Do you know God's will as it pertains to this next year? More importantly, do you know God's will as it pertains to your eternal destiny? Solomon says, a man who makes his plans without God is foolish. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. But our destiny is eternity with God. On October the 31st, 1999, a full airplane loaded to capacity took off from JFK Airport in New York. It was a routine flight to Cairo, Egypt. Shortly after takeoff, the relief first officer waited for the pilot to leave the cockpit. He then disengaged the autopilot and moved the throttle levers from the cruise power to idle, cutting the engines. The airplane began to pitch nose downward. It then descended into freefall. In the final moments before impact, the pilot dashed back into the cockpit, took his seat, and battled the co-pilot for control of the airplane. The pilot pulled back on his controls, desperate to bring the nose of that Boeing 767 up, while the suicidal first officer pushed his controls forward to keep the jet Diving. Egypt Air Flight 990 crashed into the Atlantic Ocean south of Nantucket, Massachusetts, killing all 217 people aboard. From the battle in that airliner's cockpit is like the inner life of a Christian. Each day, each week, each year of our lives, we choose either to hijack control of our life, plunging ourselves into sin and potentially death, or remain locked in the direction God has set with us with him in the cockpit. So I ask you this morning, I don't believe any of us want to make foolish plans for our life. But what are the plans that you're making for this next year? And more importantly, what are your plans for your life looking ahead towards eternity? I believe we all want this next year to be one of the best yet. The question is, do your plans made in submission to God's sovereignty, relying on his infinite knowledge, 
and deferring to his will above our own. Do our plans reflect that desire? If so, then we can go into 2020 and we can expect that it will be, may not be the greatest year of your life, but it will be a very good year. Why? Because we've made our plans in accordance with His sovereign and loving will for us. What are your plans for 2020 and beyond? Let's pray together. Father, we do love you and we praise you for who you are, the sovereign creator, ruler of this world. Father, I pray today that you would help each one of us as we think about this coming year, Lord, to seek your will above our own, to find out what it is that you want us to do, where it is you want us to go, whether it's us as individuals, as families, or even as a church. Lord, none of us know whether we're going to be here a year from now. We don't even know if we're going to be here a week from now. But that doesn't mean that you don't have plans and goals for us to be thinking about and working towards. Lord, we pray that you would grant us wisdom and discernment that we might know your will for our lives, for our families, for our church. And most importantly, we pray that those plans will bring glory and honor to you and will be a blessing to us and those near and dear to us. And Lord, I pray if there is any here today who have never thought about their eternity, I pray that the plan, part of the plans for this coming year will include making plans for our eternity because we know that the Bible tells us none of us are assured of any day beyond today. And so today is the time when we need to get our own spiritual life in order so that we can live with hope and assurance that regardless of what happens, we know who holds our future. We love you and we praise you and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.